0: You're listening to The Rick Z Show. I'm your host, Rick Z. And on today's episode, we have a musician. I'll call him a street musician, in fact, and a saxophone player. His name is Scott Tumblety. Scott, welcome to The Rick Z Show. Thanks, Rick. Thanks for having me. It's great to have you here. I must admit, I've wanted to get you on this show for a long time. I've been interested in what you do since probably before we've had this show. There's something fascinating about what you do. Would you consider yourself a street musician? Is that apt for me to say that? I'd have to say that
1: um, I've evolved into a sensibility that um, basically prefers Uh, the venue of the street.
0: Okay, and how long have you been playing out in the streets of Rhinebeck? I should tell the listener that I would walk down the street and, you know, here in Rhinebeck in the center of town, and I would hear you off in the distance playing, and I'd walk by, and there you would be playing. I'd say, oh, there he is, and he's playing these kind of riffs and and things like that. And I was interested to know, like, why you do it and and what this format is. But first let me ask how long you've been doing this. It seems to me like you've been doing this a long time. I started seriously doing it
1: about seven or eight years ago. I, I, I dabbled a little bit in the subways in New York City before then, and, but you know that's, that's a haul. And, and by the time you, you pay your train fare and everything else, uh, you've used up everything that you, that you got in your case. So, and also, it's, it's actually not really that great an environment to play uh, down New York City um, in those subways. Sometimes they hassle you, the MTA, et cetera. Uh, and I applied for the MTA permit, that gives you a banner and uh, lets you uh, play at particular places after you sign up. I applied a couple times, sent in some demos, but it's actually very competitive. They only they only choose out of hundreds and hundreds of applications. They only choose 50 for the audition, and who knows who makes it from there. And and so I gave it up and, uh, and said, hey, why don't I just stay stay close to town? Rheinbeck, you might as well admit, is a wonderful town, too be on the street serenading.
0: Yeah, I agree. In in fact, you mentioned New York City, and Rhinebeck has kind of, well, it's a tourist attraction to some degree, and it reminds me of, musically speaking, well, not musically speaking, but in terms of having a street musician out there performing for people that are attracted to the city, it reminds me of New Orleans or New York, these places where you see people out on the street playing. It reminds me of that. Are you the only sax player that we've had that you know of out on the street? Because I've heard some mixed things about it. I believe I'm the only sax player out there. And I, I
1: actually um, am, have come to be known as the Rhinebeck Street musician. Although there are other street musicians that come out from time to time. You know, it's first come, first serve. It's a public space. And uh, I, uh, I'm, I, I totally... Um, encourage anybody else that wants to do it, to do it.
0: I had a friend that said, no, that guy isn't the only one there. There was another guy across the street, like a heavyset black guy that played saxophone. I don't really remember that. Do do you know anything about that?
1: (laughs) Well, that was, uh, that's probably just like a a little bit of a mix-up of a story. There was a kunga player, comes from Tivoli, and would come down to Rhinebeck every time, every once in a while. And, uh, you know, hammer out on the kungas, and we got together uh, quite a few times. We actually played together for a, a year or so. His name's Ralton, and, uh, you know, he's a, he's a uh, fabulous guy.
0: And, oh, the skateboarder. Uh, the skateboarder, Oh, yeah. I, I know Ralton. He's yeah. a friend of mine. That, yeah. that's, that's not the you. guy I was thinking of, but I, I know who Ralton is, sure.
1: Okay, well, that's, that's the only other—that's the, the closest I can get to— um, any veracity of the story you just said. Okay, uh, <laughs> understood.
0: For lack of uh, uh, anyone else, you are the guy. You are the sax guy in Rhinebeck. You know, what's interesting to me about you, what fascinates me is sometimes, I mean, I always hear you around while well, I'm in town. I always hear that saxophone playing. I don't hear full songs. I, I don't even hear melodies always that I recognize. I hear, I'll call them like peals of sounds and riffs. And you'll play, you know, a, a certain riff, And then, you know, a couple minutes will go by with nothing. And then I hear another riff. Do you have a specific style that you play? Do you play whole songs? Do you play familiar melodies? How does it work? I'll have to admit,
1: my virtuosity on the saxophone, uh, when I first started, was on the low side, if I could just, you know, basically (laughs) give myself a little slack. Um, and especially playing melodies, I could play with a band and uh, kind of keep, keep on track and, you know, go through the bars and stay on key mostly. But, uh, I really went to school when I started on the street about seven or eight years ago. And that is really what I've been working on. I'm working on melodies. So for the first few years, I'd have to say I could not play a melody. And since then, I think maybe I can <laughs>
0: Do you have a schedule? I mean, do you, do you play specific hours? Do you just show up when you have the time? I mean, what what kind of schedule do you keep with this? Um, with this? Yeah,
1: no. yeah. the uh, well, the best the best times are uh, are weekend nights. So Friday uh, Friday night is is a great time to play. Um, Saturday afternoon, Sunday afternoon is a great time to play. Um, Saturday night, sometimes Sunday night, and and by then I've, I'm kind of like uh, Used up my energy. Yeah.
0: (laughs) You seem to be there a lot. It seems like every time I'm in town or every other time I'm in town, you're there playing. How long do you play when you do have the time? Do you just stand there for four hours or two hours? I mean, how long do you stand there and play? I I think uh, on the average is about two hours. I
1: have a repertoire of about um, 20 or 30 songs. Um, Sometimes I can, if I really um, work on, um, some extra material. I can, I pull it up to 40 or 50. So I'm, I'm, I'm kind of, uh, done with my, uh, spiel after, uh, after about two hours.
0: So, I mean, that's got to be tiring to, you know, you're standing there for two hours, just playing. You're got to have some kind of breath control and it's got to take a toll. You can't just stand there forever, obviously. Have you ever taken lessons or did you play in band in high school? And have you ever played with a band?
1: I played with a couple of rock and roll bands, kind of blues bands um back maybe about uh, 15 years ago or so. One was uh called Empire Road uh with uh Jack uh, Christensen and um Jerry Dragon and uh, you know it was just a lot of fun. Besides that, I've done a lot of open mics, uh blues jams mostly, hmm. uh Petey Hop down in uh um, down at the High Park Brewery. Sure, P.D. Hop many years. And before then, even up in Kingston, close to the Strand, they had uh, an open mic. Uh, I think uh, Gary was, the, uh, uh, was a drummer who used to host that. That's kind of where I, I've kind of uh, um, sort of got my feet wet. And then uh, more recently, I, um, I love to go to uh, Carl Allwire's uh, open mic, and, uh, and he lets me play three songs. <laughs> really? And,
0: and is that similar? Do you play with him, or, or do you just play solo like you do in town?
1: Uh, right now, I'm, I'm mostly playing solo. I used to play with them a little bit, but I, I found that uh, on the, off the cuff, uh, I have a little bit of trouble going through chords, especially songs that I don't practice often.
0: Do you do this full-time? Do you do it part-time? Uh, do you have a, a day job? I do have a day job. It's I do
1: mostly uh, home renovations. My music kind of took off in 2008, 2009, when my business basically dropped down to zero. Nobody was had any money to sink into their homes. So I figured, okay, I'm pretty much down to nothing except uh, maybe I could uh, finally learn how to play the saxophone correctly.
0: <laughs> well, I noticed you brought the saxophone with you. I'm very, very happy. Would you mind playing a little something for us? Uh, sure. We'd sure. love to hear it. Okay. <laughs> center of town uh drinking coffee at bread alone. <laughs> wow, would you call this brand like an antique
1: Antigua wind? It's called Antigua Winds. And <laughs> I went uh when I was when I was shopping around for a better saxophone. Well first of all I started up with the tenor. I, I bought my first tenor back uh, when I was twenty-three out in Colorado. Uh that was uh in the mid eighties. I played the tenor for a while and uh, I you know learned how to play it, but I had a little trouble hitting those uh, low notes. So when I switched the alto about ten years ago, I went to the web, and I went to all the reviews that said, "Oh, where you were? How am I going to get a good saxophone?" Well, all the standard reviews basically say that there is only six or so brands of saxophones that you should even consider if you want to go professional. So, um, I read all the reviews, etc. starts with Selmer and then goes to, uh, Kahn and, uh, Calloworth, Yamaha, Yannigasawa, and maybe there's a, a couple other ones. And then somewhere along the line, I found this high school kid who said, I just bought an Intego Winds and I love it. So <laughs> I said, OK, when I when I found one for sale on eBay, I said, OK, I'll give it a shot.
0: I, I like it. So how much does an instrument like this run you? Uh,
1: my first Antigua Winds uh, actually ran me just uh, a few hundred dollars, less than four hundred dollars. It, it was played well, but it was really just an intermediate model. The power bell that I have now, new goes for uh, over over two thousand dollars. this one I, I picked up for for less than that uh, in really good condition uh, from eBay. Oh, that's really good.
0: So I, I could go out and buy one of these. It wouldn't break the bank. That's exactly what I had in mind. <laughs> <laughs> so how has what you do in town changed now that we're living in this this era of COVID? I mean, what, what what's different about performing for people under those conditions?
1: Well, I had that spot, which everybody that, you know, kind of was familiar with me would, would say that was kind of my spot to play. It was out on the corner of Route 9 and, and 308 just really in the center of town just market street and uh uh you know from the difference between uh, east market street and west market street and i i played there um yeah for years and years um and i i found it sort of solitary in a way um because it's it's such a high traffic area that and all these cars go by and it's sort of like, I'm not really, most of the time, I'm not really playing to anybody. I'm just kind of playing to the, you know, the uh, streetscape. But after after this whole thing started happening in March, uh, I knew I couldn't have that spot anymore because it's really right on the sidewalk. Yeah. And for all the protocols nowadays, uh, if you're singing, you're supposed to be in, in public. You're supposed to be 12 feet from the general public. And so I, I went out um, toward that little green area. Uh, in front of CVs right in uh in kind of the middle of uh, east market start playing there it's kind of worked out it's, it's a different kind of vibe I had to get used to it i'm'm I'm, strange as it might seem a street musician is not always easy to pick up from one place to another I guess it 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 ought to be a little bit more easy but uh I've gotten used to it and I've kind of kind of uh I, I like it now i like it
0: yeah I notice you're kind of sectioned off in between these trees you have like a, a rope that Kind of sections off the area. I, I had to climb over that rope and approach you to see if you'd come on the show, as I recall. Something like that. Yes. What has the reaction been to your music? I mean, obviously, a lot of people hear you. People are walking by. Do, do they give, give you money? Do, do they uh, clap? Do they come over and talk to you? What's that like? What's the reaction been like? Ever
1: since I've started this, I, I actually began to realize how ambivalent people's uh, general opinions are. They're, they they can go one way or another. Sometimes I, I'd have um, someone actually kind of come up to me and be a little a little bit belligerent about uh, you know I was making too much noise and. Uh, I was, you know, they were getting disturbed by what I was doing. Really? Yes, that's, some, that's sometimes happening. And it happened maybe a little bit more in the beginning when I actually wasn't really playing my melodies all that well. And then the next moment, I'd have somebody come by and say, you just made my night. I was walking down the street, kind of feeling a little gloomy. I hear this music bouncing off the walls, and I just, you know, just perked up my, uh, my, whole, my whole attitude. So it, it's, it can go both ways.
0: It's interesting. All musicians are in the same boat uh, in that way. I'm a musician myself, and, you know, sometimes you get people to say, can you turn down a little bit, and they just (laughs) totally miss what you're doing entirely. And then you have other people that love what you do. Did you ever see the video online of Billy Gibbons from ZZ Top playing out in the street, and everybody's just ignoring him like he's a Mm. a hassle (laughs) (laughs) I've never seen that it's very interesting I must admit I mean I've never really met you before Uh, I approached you to come on the show I didn't know anything about you or your music or what it would be like and I wondered I I wondered what motivates a street musician like you mentioned New York City you go down there and it's sometimes it's it's practically homeless people that are playing instruments sometimes they're very good certainly in New Orleans I mean it, it could be anyone you know it's. It's not always a professional musician. Sometimes it's just somebody who can kind of play a little bit and maybe they're looking for some change or or what. I didn't know if you were a homeless person, if you were uh, insane. You know, I, I, I knew nothing about you. Of course, when I approached you and talked to you for the first time, you were obviously seemed like a, a an articulate, normal, everyday guy, lives in town, has a cell phone, you know. I was like, okay, I, I think it might be safe having him in my house, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Do you listen to saxophone music? I, I don't mean just pop music, I mean like jazz, too. I mean, I love guys like pop guys, like Boots Randolph and, and uh, King Curtis, but I'm a big jazz fan. I, I love Charlie Parker. I love... Lester Young. I love guys like that. Do you listen to jazz? I do. I
1: don't study it, but I do listen to it. In the past um listen to uh, Charlie Parker and and Lester Young. Sometimes I get a little bit um I don't know um uh well, it it's a little bit daunting to hear what those guys can actually do. And uh but at the same time um I I feel like uh if I'm, actually, if I'm going to do my thing and play the best I can, then I'll carve out my own way of doing things. And uh, I'm, not in, I'm not in a virtuosic kind of uh, competition, and it takes a lot of weight off my shoulders. I, I, I really do it mostly because if I was not playing on the street, I'd just be playing in my little studio, and it's a little bit more fun out in the street.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's always more fun to play for somebody that's listening or, and might appreciate it. When you're home by yourself, do you listen to music? And what kind of stuff do you like? And when you mentioned New
1: Orleans, I, I really have a, a deep respect for all the musicians that came out of there. And I always, <laughs> in my back of my mind, I'm thinking, oh, if I ever wanted to be a street musician, go where the big boys and girls play, it'd be New Orleans. And it's, it's always kind of like in the back of my mind, you know, is there one day a road trip down there? Well, I'll just park myself somewhere in the French Quarter. And I actually have no idea how that works because I've only passed through the town uh, uh, many, many years ago. Yet my influences, uh, melodically, are, are, do come from uh, New Orleans. Uh, uh, Fats Domino, his, his melodies, I play two of his melodies when I play on the street, the Creole sound. It kind of blends into the Caribbean sound, and actually goes a little bit deeper to a um, a piano player who was playing in the Bahamas in the 1950s, and I latched onto his melodies. His name was George Simonet, a delightful player, not too well known, but I, I had a little 10-inch record that had five songs in each side. I uh, heard them when I was young. And and now I I play um, about eight of those songs. It's the vibe of that whole kind of Caribbean blending into it sort of also has that African roots too, and goes into New Orleans.
0: Why saxophone, Scott? I mean, as opposed to trumpet or being a guitar player or a singer or anything else. Why why'd you gravitate to the sax? <laughs> it's a very easy question to answer. I was going to high school
1: in the in the tail end of the seventies and. The big, uh, you know, the big music we used to play, uh, or, or, you know, on the radio and, uh, and, uh, on the, on the turntables, um, as you mentioned, ZZ Top, one of my favorite bands. Then there was, uh, Peter Frampton, Led Zeppelin, Deep Purple, all those guys. It was really just, uh, you know, I was into that kind of rock and roll thing. When I started listening to Steely Dan, though, something kind of like went off my brain and said, wait a second. Uh, you know, there's something about that music that is, you know, that kind of like going a little bit deeper into my soul. And when I heard some of the saxophone players that he had, uh, Phil Woods being one of them, um, and those saxophone solos, it drew me in and it kind of sucked me in. And when I saw that saxophone for sale in that music store in Colorado... And I had $300
0: in my pocket. I bought it. Well, that's (laughs) exciting. I I love that. I love that story. And I love Steely Dan also. Can you make any money doing this, Scott? Like, give me an average day playing for a few hours on a Saturday in Rhinebeck. You know, I imagine people come up and maybe put some money in your case or whatever. I mean, how much money are we talking about?
1: It's hard to give an average. Uh, There are are some times when um, I I can play for two hours on what I think is a prime time. And just because the way the crowd feels or whether there might be just kind of a lot of tourists in town or maybe you're just people are kind of stressed out a little bit they, you know, they might be a little bit there might be a stingy day. We're only only like a few dollars go in there. I'm. I think I might have played for two hours once or twice where, where nothing went in there. Mm-hmm. Um, but then there are some days where people get really appreciative. Sometimes they're having dinner outside and the, and they hear me play and and they they appreciate it and they and and after they finish they come over and you know they drop. Uh, you know it's not it's not it's uh, um, when I, when I go into the case and I see a twenty in there I, I pretty much know who it came from. They, they usually uh, acknowledge.
0: What's the most you ever made? Um, I I know I, what the least you've made is. <laughs> <laughs> yes.
1: <laughs> the most ever made was, 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 um, it, it, it may, might have gotten close to $200,
0: but that was really a rarity. Yeah. Well, that's pretty good. Okay.
1: Yeah. That was, that was probably a, uh. Uh, a three or four four hour stand
0: so what motivates you to stand there and play i mean as opposed to finding yourself a a rock and roll band or a blues band or a jazz band or something and going out and doing gigs it can't be easy to be consistent and show up every weekend and stand there and play i mean sometimes i know for myself you know i go out and i play sometimes and on a bad night i'll say why am i doing this why am i doing Mm. this to myself what motivates you to keep going
1: uh, mostly I just, um, I'm looking to get to, um, find better, better ways to play. And, and sometimes there are just some joyful moments on the corner. Um, I'll just relate one. Um, uh, I, I wasn't really all that formally trained. I know a little bit about music theory because it just, it happens to, uh, it just has to suck in after a while. Um, uh, when you've been playing for years and years. Uh, but this one particular night, um, a jazz uh, um, tenor player, uh, tenor saxophone player uh, from across the river, Harvey, K- Harvey Kaiser, uh, came by, and I had seen him play a few times in town. He used to play at, uh, at a place uh, where the shelter um, used to be, and um, uh, uh, an excellent player, and he related a story, a Charlie Parker story. And he said that when Charlie Parker uh, would would give lessons to students, he had a particular homework assignment. I don't know if Charlie Parker actually gave that many lessons. And Charlie Parker actually was on the street a few times. You know, he, he was not always, uh, you know, on, on riding on top of the wave mm-hmm. uh, financially, etc. Harvey told me this story that Charlie Parker's homework assignment to his saxophone players was... I'm going to give you four songs, and you're going to learn them in all twelve keys. And I remember the two of the songs that Harvey said were uh, were um, Charity and Sweet Georgia Brown. And I I didn't remember the other two, but I it was almost like an epiphany the weeks after after that conversation. And you know that's you know just to get that that kind of relation going um, was was kind of kind of sunk into me, and and it was a bit of an epiphany. I tr- tried to calculate how long was it was going to take me to learn four songs in all 12 keys. And I, the best thing, the best speculation I, I came out with was a year or two. So I s- believed at that point in time, I knew at that point in time that I needed to go to work. I started working on my keys, but I didn't play four songs in all 12 keys. I just made sure I played Spread all the songs that I do play over 12 keys. I think it's working.
0: <laughs> <laughs> a little sonic diversity. Just play a bunch of things in all different keys. Well, uh, it's really interesting. And Charlie Parker. I mean, I mean, that's not easy stuff to work on. Uh, you know, because his for one thing, he was always just lightning fast. Mm-hmm. But I mean, the stuff is so intricate. Just the jazz scales alone. Just practicing that stuff is is very difficult. Do you write melodies? Do you write your own material? I've come up with some
1: riffs that you might say um, uh, what might be a verse or might be a chorus, but I've never I've never really uh, put anything together that's... Uh...
0: When I hear you play, I don't necessarily know the songs that you're playing or recognize them, but they're always reminiscent of something I've noticed. Like, I almost got it. Like, oh, I know that. Well, eh, that isn't quite it, but it's reminiscent of that. Do you find it's difficult to play the saxophone without an accompanying instrument like piano or guitar to accompany you to kind of keep you drawing within the lines
1: if i uh, there, there are times where i play with a bass player in the open mic and um yeah it's it it, it takes a it takes a lot of load if the bass player actually can can be flexible because i don't uh, like you said I, my my i my melodies are not that strict to um well, the, my playing is not that strict to the melody, uh, yet um, I, uh, I do um, go through the verse and I do go through the chorus. Uh, I think the thing that's helping me now is more uh, percussion because it keeps, me, uh, my, keeps my timing um, um, on and, to, and kind of takes a load off my shoulder if I can, if I can play with a percussionist. Yeah.
0: And, and do you improv a lot? I mean, when you, you mentioned you sat in with, uh, Petey Hopp at, in High Park at the blues night, do you just improv? Do you just make stuff up and, and kind of jam? In the blues jam you know, you, everybody gets their solo. Yeah. Um, uh,
1: and, and that's, it's, it's the, um, uh, the, the sort of uh, uh democracy of the of the blues jam I, I i love that and and pd hopper ran a great show and when you get your solo you know you, you you know you you've got your you get you get the your your uh your time on the mic and either you do 16 bars 24 bars and and if you really feel in- adventurous you go you go another uh uh, you, you go another 16. Mic, no, I'm not actually I could be getting that wrong. It, it, either you're a 12 bar blue or, or blues or a 16 bar blues, but uh, it's 12, 24, 36. Um, and it's, it's sort of where I, where I learned that uh, when you get your shot the solo and you got your improvise, uh, then, you, then, you, then it's all you to improvise and stay within the chord structure. It was it was uh, it was a it was a rough road because you you know you you were put on the spot, and I I, I learned how to uh, I don't know play along with others.
0: <laughs> yeah, and you know you speak a musical language. You're talking about bars like a full chorus and things like that. And you know when you speak about music, you you do speak a, a musician's language. Mm-hmm. You ever think about advancing your abilities and your knowledge and, and taking more lessons, or or I mean you're you're relatively learned. Where do you go from here?
1: I'm not really quite sure. I I love to learn new songs, and right now I'm working on a mashup uh, between um, a Broadway tune, a song we all heard back in the uh, '70s called Muskrat Love, mm-hmm. and so yeah. I like to mash things up because that you know kind of stretches me out.
0: What's the Broadway tune
1: if you don't mind me asking? All I want is a room upstairs.
0: Huh. What's that, Rogers and Hart? Who is yeah,
1: that? I, I, is it Hammerstein? Oh, it might be uh, uh, well, I don't Rogers know. and Hammerstein. It's from uh, My Fair Lady.
0: Okay, yeah. yeah. Do you need a permit to do this? I mean, stand there in Rhinebeck, do, do you have to fill out paperwork, or do you just show up? What happened in the, in, within the first few
1: months of me uh, just parking myself in that corner um, on, you know, on the weekend nights, the village uh, police um, showed up. They wanted to know, you know, kind of get to know me. You know, what's going on here? They want to just be informed. They took down my name. And uh, he said, in the village of Rhinebeck, uh, there is no a requirement for a permit. And um, even though in those early years, actually there was uh, one, at least one complaint that went to the village that said, you know, how do, how do we put a lid on this guy? <laughs> the, the, <laughs> the, the village, the village uh, actually um, said, there, we are not going to make this village... Uh, into some place where you have to get a permit to play music on the street. Uh,
0: Interesting. Uh, Wouldn't it be cool, well I don't know how cool it would be for you, I was going to say if if another sax guy came and he set up across the street and he started playing and then it ended up being like a sax battle like in the Mm -hmm. 30s when you had (laughs) like like Coleman Hawkins versus Lester Young. I'd show up for that just to watch that. So what ultimately are your goals with this? I mean... Are you just going to indefinitely play? This is just for the tourist's pleasure and the locals' pleasure, or is there an end game here?
1: In the beginning, I'd have to say I was a little bit more uh, obsessive about it. Uh, I would I would actually practice uh, for a couple hours during the day and then play three hours on the street. Um, now I'm a little more relaxed about it. It's not um, it's not something I have to do. It's something that I just put my finger to the wind uh, at any particular, uh, you know, time that might, I may mean, about my, I might play tonight. I was thinking, wow, why not? Uh, so I put my finger to the wind and say, you know, w- will I go out or will I not? And there are sometimes other, you know, there are the musicians, uh, and, uh, that especially now they're, they're setting up outside. So there's sometimes I do come out in the street and, uh, somebody else would be there and i turn around and, uh, uh, go home. <laughs>
0: well i hope this podcast helps get the word out there that you're out playing because i know a lot of people a lot of friends of mine a lot of people that listen to the show are really interested to hear this this particular podcast i've had more people ask me about this one than other ones that i've done like when's that guy who plays saxophone coming on you know Mm. and before we have to wrap up i would love it if you could play something else to to kind of get us out of here you mentioned fats domino he's one of my favorites would you be willing to play that
1: some folks working at a restaurant or a waitress or something or a waiter uh, working at a restaurant uh, across the street from me they kind of sometimes catch on to the fact that i i tend to be repetitious i play my first song play my second song play my third song play my fourth song they're usually the same one week after another and then every once in a while uh, i'll after that i'll start to mix it up well i changed uh, recently but i used to play uh, my blue heaven as my opening song just because why not, Mm -hmm. you know?
0: (laughs) Would you be willing to play My Blue Heaven? I love that song. I'll give it a shot. That was great, Scott. Thank you for playing that, and thanks for being here. This has really been great. I, I didn't, I had no idea what this would be like or how this would go. But you're an awfully nice guy, and you're actually a better player than I expected. I, you know, I haven't heard a lot. I hear things in the distance. You know, I'm coming out of this store or a restaurant, and I hear you know little riffs and and peals of sound. And I, I guess I've never stood there for any length of time and really focused. But I'm going to now. In fact, it's it won't be two hundred dollars. It won't be your two hundred dollar day but next time I pass by I'm gonna throw something in your case that's for sure thanks so much for coming Scott
1: uh Rick it's it's been wonderful and and um I, I like your uh, your your interview style and uh it's been a pleasure
0: same here man you've been listening to the Rick Z show I'm your host Rick Z produced and engineered every week by Rusty Johnson please click subscribe then come back next week and I promise we'll have another interesting Hudson Valley artist for you see you then